Last week we looked at some of the, the history in relation to uh, the churches coming to North America and uh, we thought that perhaps coming to North America would mean that they would have complete liberty and freedom. Of course, it's a land of the free looking at the United States, but we know that that's not what took place right off the bat. Uh, initially, what happened is those churches that existed began coupling with the government and they would have state churches. And so if you weren't a part of that religion in the state church, you would end up in jail and uh, charged and so forth. And, and uh, kind of the same thing that was happening over across the seas started to happen right here. Of course, in Rhode Island was the first uh, deal that was made uh, with the English government to actually introduce religious freedom. And it was because of that and the, the influence of the Baptists of that time, uh, that's how religious freedom got added to the Constitution. And, uh, of course, the Declaration of Independence and so forth, uh, that was influenced by Baptist. That's where it came from. And so, really, when you look at religious freedom today, even in Canada, uh, you can look at churches like ours being the reason why we have it in the first place. And so, what we need to do is we need to continue on in that freedom. You know, it's very easy to say that we should have a law against this and against that, but I'm not for that kind of thing. I'm not for the, the government getting involved with enforcing uh, scriptural mandates of the church. You know, there has to be a doctrine that we, we look at people and say, hey, you've got the right to choose what you want to do. You, you can, if you want to worship a broom, you can do that. I'm not saying it's going to get you anywhere, <laughs> you know, but you have the freedom to do that in our land. Uh, not that I want you to. In fact, I'm going to try to persuade you not to. But the moment you start cutting or putting laws into place to stop people from believing what, what they want to believe, that's when they also start uh, infringing on your religious liberty to believe what you know to be the truth. And that's Satan's objective, you know. So he doesn't really care uh, how he does it, but he just wants to stop us from believing the Bible and following the Word of God. Amen? And so we got to look at this and be sober-minded in relation to this doctrine of liberty. And we looked last week how that we've been spiritually set at liberty. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. You used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And when you received Christ, he released you from that. He released you from that course and said, now you can choose what direction you want to go. And that's a wonderful thing about our Lord. Uh, you know, and I've used this illustration before, that you were basically a slave in chains. And the Lord came to you while they were trying to sell you off. And he says, I'll buy them. I'll buy them with my blood. And that's what he did. And he bought you with his very blood. And then he came up to you and he took your chains and he broke them off and he let them fall to the ground. And then he started walking away. And basically he looked back and says, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Uh, he didn't put his chains on you. He didn't say, now you, you're going to be forced to do this. He set you free to choose. That's a wonderful thing. And there's a reason for that. The Lord's not looking for slaves that can't choose. He's looking for men and women that do choose. That's a part of that heart belief that we need to live by. Amen? And so that is the essence uh, behind what individual soul liberty is all about. And it, and it starts with the Lord and what he wants to do. So we've been spiritually set free. 
We have soul liberty, which means that there's decisions that we can make. And, you know, they may not always be the greatest decisions, but you're free to make those decisions. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, and we'll look at some of those today as we go through this. Uh, and then, of course, ultimately, he's giving you physical liberty. Right now, your body is, you know, pretty corrupt. It's hindering you from a lot of things. But one day, he's going to redeem you in your body on that day of redemption during the rapture. And he's going to give you a brand new body. And all those limitations and hindrances are going to be removed in a split second. And so you're going to feel the, the full liberty in your, in your physical life. So we have spiritual, we have soul liberty, and then we also have physical liberty as a result of what Jesus did for you. Amen? And so I want to move on now, and I want to talk a little bit about the spirit of liberty. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read these 18 verses. This is a great passage here, and hopefully we can get something out of this to understand this aspect of soul liberty, where it comes from, and why it is that we can have that type of liberty today. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 1, it says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of a commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And so this is pretty interesting here. It, it kind of goes along with what Jesus was telling the Pharisees um, in relation to how do you know whether you're right or not? Well, the Bible says by your fruit, they will know you, <laughs> you know. And Jesus knew that. And this is what it's talking about. He says, do we need a letter of commendation to come to you to prove to you that what, what we are is real? Or do I need to uh, have a, a commendation from you? He says, you are our letter. Your personal life is our letter. So any church that is doing right, and you'll see by the life of the people whether that church is right or not. Yes, Amen. You're the epistle. You're the letter. And so that's a, that's a powerful testimony that we have. And so it says, in such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ours, as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So he's talking about two different ministrations here. There was administration of the law, and of course when Moses was up on that mount and the Lord revealed himself during that time where he was given the law, the face of Moses shone to such a place where he placed a veil over his eyes, uh, over his face, because the people couldn't bear it. They couldn't bear that glory of the law, you know. But now he's saying... What about this new ministration of the Spirit? This new thing that God is doing in our hearts. He says, if that was glorious, can you imagine how much more glorious this is that we have today? And it, it is true. Moses could only dream of what we have right now. In the, as, as a fact of the Spirit of God indwelling us and helping us to make every decision of life. 
not according to letters on a stone, but according to conviction and according to his inner prompting. And, and as we read the word of God, he guides you every single day. You know when you're doing right and when you're not doing right. It's such an inner guidance that we have through the Holy Spirit of God. It's, it's powerful and it's amazing. Um, it goes on to say, uh, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. That's a powerful statement right there. We've been looking at the book of Romans and how uh, many times, you know, people, they run back to the law and they try to, uh, even today within the, in the New Testament realm, they're trying to reinstitute the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And it's crazy, folks. Don't listen to these people. They're not right with God. They're not right with the Lord. They're attacking the very spirit of the New Testament. I, I mean, if you don't want to eat pork, that's up to you. That's the liberty that you have. You don't have to eat pork. You don't have to eat bacon. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with eating it. The Bible says that. And the moment you start saying, oh, no, you can't, well, you're attacking the very scriptures because the Bible itself tells us that the Lord gave us the liberty to eat all creatures for they're all good, the Bible says, if they be received with thanksgiving because they're sanctified, the Bible says, by the word of God and by prayer. That's the Lord's mind on it. So here you come along to Christians and you say, oh, you can't eat that and you can't eat that. What, you, what are you doing? You're trying to place them back into bondage. You're trying to put shackles on them again, you know? And the Bible says, no, that's not what I want. And that's why he freed us from that. He's giving us a life that's beyond the shackles, beyond those things. Amen? And so be careful about that. And folks, and when people do come to you like that, <clears throat> you owe it to the Lord to shut them down. The Bible says, let no man judge you in the Sabbath days and all those type of things, the new moons. The Bible says, let them not do it. Stop them. Don't, don't just tell the pastor, pastor, go get them. <laughs> you know, you get them. <laughs> you get them. If we'd all be getting these people, there'd be none of that going on in this church, I'll tell you that. And folks, you know, you'd say, well, that's just foolish. Who in the world would, would give in to that? Folks, the devil was constantly trying to infiltrate our church with all kinds of false doctrines. And we have stopped many doctrines at the gate here. We have. But you know, you can't, I can't just stop everything from coming in. And I can't stop every little meeting and people calling you over for supper and, and having little coffees here and there. I can't be there for all. And you don't want me there for all of that. Amen. And I would not be able to handle it. But you know what, something? If we will know the principles and we'll understand the liberty that we have, we won't fall for that stuff. We'll just shut them down. Say, hey, I love you, but you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. And you don't want to eat pork, don't eat pork. <laughs> but you have no right to tell anybody else that it's sin to do so. 
when we have the word of God that have released those shackles off of us. Amen? And so we need to understand that's what liberty is. And that's how it begins. You know, uh, that's how it began when they came back over. All of a sudden, the shackles come back on again. And if we don't, if we allow it, it takes place. So we got to shut it down. Amen. We got to keep that liberty alive within our congregation. I want that to continue here. So it says, nevertheless, talking about Israel here, I'll go back. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. And so they're reading the Old Testament, but they don't get it. Because they could never understand the true glory of what that law represented in the Old Testament. They thought it was just me trying to keep my behavior right and then admitting that, oh yeah, hey, I've been doing pretty good. Instead of realizing, no, I've failed terribly. And you know, but that you look at that law, it caused the face of Moses to shine. So there was a lot more to it than they were understanding of it. But they weren't able to understand of it. They weren't able to go there, even though Moses could. And so the, the veil remains till today. You talk to these folks that are orthodox in their religion uh, within Israel, and you try to tell them about Jesus, and they just shut you down. And if they, if they shut you down, they're shutting down liberty. They're shutting down the one that has set you free, the one that has loosened the chains, you know? And so the veil is still to this day when they read the word of God. And you know, they have Isaiah 53. They know how that he, was his, he made his grave uh, with the rich. They know how that he was like a, a lamb led to the slaughter and so forth. It says right there that the Messiah was going to die. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9. They know that it says and the Messiah shall be cut off. They know all those things. It's in the Old Testament, but they're blind because they will not accept the suffering Messiah. They will not accept it. Amen? And therefore, they miss the glory of it. <laughs> you know? And so here, we see in our next couple of verses, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if the, if the Spirit of God is working in your heart, what you know is this, you're living a life of liberty. He is setting you free. You're not in bondage. You're not being led into bondage. You're not trying to crave more bondage. These people that are out there trying to push that type of stuff, folks, you got to ask yourself, where is the Spirit of God there? Because that's not there. Now, either they're not saved or they're very deceived and the Spirit is grieved with their life, but many times it's because they're not saved. And they can come in and pretend like they're just like one of you. And the way we live, they can do a pretty good job of it. Because we're not being a light the way we ought to. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it goes on to say, <clears throat> but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This verse right here is powerful, folks. What this is saying is, as you as a spirit-indwelt and a spirit-filled believer, look on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says as you receive that into your life, like this morning, we had a message. We were talking about different topics and so forth, and we were talking about allowing that renovation to take place in your life. And you say, Lord, I receive that. I receive that. You know the Bible changed you this morning if you, if you responded to that? See, from glory to glory, 
There are so many aspects of the glory of God. The, the glory of the Lord is talking about the weight or the essence of God. <laughs> so when you're talking about his glory, you're talking about his riches. You're talking about everything that is valuable with God. And so when you're saying that you're going to be changed from glory to glory, what you're saying is as you perceive the essence and the glory of our God and you receive that, you actually take on the characteristic of that glory in your life. Where did you learn how to forgive, if you have? Have you ever had to forgive somebody that has done you terribly wrong? Now, what made you do that? How could you do that? I'll tell you why you did that, Christian. Because you saw somebody die on a cross, and you saw them suffer terribly, and while they were doing that, they said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you looked at that, and you, it perplexed you at first, and you scratched your head. You said, I don't understand that, Lord, but I see this is you. And, and with the Spirit of God inside of you, he took that glory, and he made that a part of your heart because he said, Lord, I want to be forgiving like that. I need to forgive this person that has hurt me. And you know what you've done is you've been conformed to the image of Christ because you've taken on the very glory of our God. God into your soul the spirit of the Lord that can only happen as a spirit of God's inside of you if you're not changing there's a problem with your relationship with God's spirit in you either you're not saved or you have not allowed him to have control of your life folks I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit of God can live in you but you can live a life where nobody can see it. It's kind of like the, the Holy Spirit walking into a house and coming and knocking on the door one day and you got saved when you were four or five years old or whenever it was. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit came in. Guess what? You got all of him. He didn't leave half of himself outside. He, he, he came all in. But that doesn't mean that he has all of you. So he's sitting in your porch. So now he's... He's gently asking you, could you please let me into the other rooms of your house? Could you please let me into your kitchen? Because it needs, there's a lot of things that need to be scrubbed up in there. And I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to conform that kitchen to the Lord's kitchen. Amen. And then going into your bedrooms. And, and as you let him into your bedroom, which took a lot of convincing. Okay, Lord, you can have my bedroom. Then he looks at your closet. <laughs> this is where you say, oh, yo, I don't know about that old closet. That's where I stick all the stuff from the past. It's all sitting on the shelves in the closet. See, that's the Christian life. <laughs> all I know is this. If you're saved, you have all of the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God doesn't have all of you. But as you respond to the Scripture and if you allow Him to control your life, he begins to take more. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? Nobody can do that by slapping you on the head. <laughs> Nobody can do that by praying over you. They can't make that happen. See, that's a relationship. It has to do with you responding to God's call in your life and saying, let me in, let me do this. That, that's why when the preaching happens and you hear the word of God and, and the Holy Spirit is telling your heart, saying, yes, I need to get into that area. And you're going to stand there obstinately and say, no, I'm not letting you in. <laughs> you know? All I know is this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you let him into that area of your life, you will be set free. 
But it's amazing how we hold on to that bondage. <laughs> We're scared to let it go. It's almost like we make it a part of our identity. <laughs> I've had people that I've dealt with in a, in a counseling situation where, not here but in other ministries, where they, they didn't want to deal with it because they were scared what they would be like if they didn't have that problem in their life. That was one of the things that Satan was using to keep them where they were. They were scared to become what the Lord wanted them to be. <laughs> and many people are afraid. They're afraid of what the Lord is going to do in your life. Sometimes you're afraid that, oh, well, he's going to call me to Africa. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> you know, not everybody go to Africa. But you know, he'll do what needs to be done in your life. But, you know, many people don't go forward because they're scared of where the Lord's going to lead them. All I know is this, that the safest place for you is in the will of God. <laughs> the story of the missionary who had a wife that didn't want to go to the mission field. He was called to Africa. And so he gave in. He's, of course, he couldn't take her if she didn't want to be there. It was going to be miserable. And so they stayed in Texas. because She was scared of the snakes. She was scared of the animals. She was scared for her children's sake. So what happened is, one day... One of her children started screaming in the backyard and got bit by a snake at their home in the United States of America. And to the hospital, they backed over their other child. You think you're going to keep your family safe? It's not up to you. You can't. You try your best, but you can't. God's the one that puts the hedge around you. You've got to stay in his will, whatever that is, wherever that brings you. And, and, you know, I'm not saying it's Africa, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying is wherever it is, it's a lot better than being by yourself where you are. Safer. You've got to be in his will. Amen. So that spirit of the Lord, and that, and that spirit of the Lord is your inheritance. You have that today. The Bible says that in Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is, our, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So this salvation experience uh, allowed you to have your down payment of the inheritance that is coming in the future. There's a great inheritance that you don't even understand yet. And that's why the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians was praying that we would have the wisdom to understand the, the, the inheritance of the saints. And he was praying for that, that you would understand this, knowing that there's great things for you, so you don't get your head all in this world and thinking that you're going to get something down here. It's all about what he's got for you over there. But right now, you have got the earnest. You've got the down payment of that inheritance. And that's that spirit of God, and he's inside of you. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And the earnest is a pledge. It's a part of the purchase money of a, or property given in advance as security for the rest. Think about that. Some people believe you can lose your salvation. I'm just saying there's no way that you'll be able to believe that if you believe what this verse says. There's no way. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. You've got the earnest of the Spirit already inside of you. The down payment has been made. 
Now, it's just like this. You, when you buy a house and you give that down payment, you're saying, I'm putting down $1,000. What that means is they're no longer going to sell that house to someone else because you've shown that you are earnest in buying that property. One thing that hasn't happened yet is what's called possession date. That's like a month down the road. <laughs> Amen. On possession date, that's when you get the keys. But if you know what, if you were to back out on that deal within that month's time, you lose your earnest. They're not going to give that back to you. And earnest, that's what makes it an earnest. <laughs> it makes it an earnest because I'm giving you something that's valuable and I mean it with all of my heart and I'm showing you that by the amount that I'm giving you and the preciousness of what I'm giving you and so that you will always know that I will not back out of my deal. Amen? So when you got saved, he gave you his spirit as an earnest because he says there's a possession date coming. It's called the day of redemption where I'm going to come back and I'm going to get the keys. <laughs> or you're going to get the keys. <laughs> Amen? And he says there's no way that I'm backing out on this deal. And if he backed out on it, how in the world is he going to separate himself from the Holy Spirit of God? Because he would lose it. That spirit has been given as an earnest. So if you could lose your salvation, the Lord would have to say bye-bye to one-third of the Godhead. <laughs> Impossible. Amen? That's the security you have as a born-again believer today. That's the liberty that you have. And where that spirit of God is, there is liberty. There's liberty. The spirit of the Lord is perfecting you as well by working in your heart. We can see that. I already talked about that, how that, you know, uh, it says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart, your response and your reaction, the way you live and the way uh, you, you treat people is all an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof now you are ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Boy, that's wrapping it up with a nice little package and a little bow on top. This is what you've got. Amen. For we have made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's changing you, folks. I love that. You know, to me as a pastor, when I hear people say, the Lord is changing my life, that is, that is the one thing I hold with me every day. That's why I do what I do, is when you change. It's not just for a crowd. It's just not to have things. It's not just to have a building. The reason why we're here today is that you change, that I change, and I'm still changing, amen? And when I can see you change, 
that I know what Paul's talking about, that you are the letter of, of, of commendation. You are commending the, the ministry of Airdrie Baptist Church by the change that you're allowing in your life. Amen? That, my friend, is commendable. Truly commendable. And be careful that you're true. You're true. The Bible talks about unfeigned love of the brethren, not this put-on hypocritical thing. A lot of Christians are hypocritical. But I don't want that to be here. I want us to be real. I want us to be able to look at each other and say, I really do love you. And I would give my life for you. I would do whatever I can to help you. Amen? That's what this church needs to be. Amen? Amen. That's going to be a result of us allowing the Spirit of God to change us. The Spirit of the Lord teaches each believer. That's why in Romans 14, verse 4, it says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. Amen? So, folks, you know, as much as I'd love to be able to help everybody stand and, and always make the right decisions, I know I can't. You'll do what you, what you do. And you've got the freedom to make those choices. I can't make you do right. Amen? I have to trust that if you're saved, that God in your life is able to make you stand. He's the one that'll shake you up. He's the one that'll pick you up. He's the one that's going to change you. Amen. I can't take responsibility for that. My job is I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, folks. That's what I am. I'm just here to give you the word of God. I'm here to give you the, the, something that the spirit of God can grab onto so that you can change. But I'll tell you something. That changing has to do with you and your relationship with God alone. Amen. You've got to make that decision. The Bible says, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You have to be persuaded. Now, folks, I'm not getting into this right now, but I understand, you know, when we, if you take that too far, what you're going to say is, well, then our churches can just be everybody believing what they want. But there are parameters to this, to this doctrine. Amen. You are free to believe what you want, but that doesn't mean you can believe and do what you want wherever you want. <laughs> Amen? You need to understand that. This world, it's the same way. There's laws and parameters that you have to operate by. So as much as you feel, and that's what the world wants today, they want to be able to do what they feel that they want to do wherever they want to do it, and let's just defund the police because they're trying to stop me from doing it. Because we're free. That's not freedom. Freedom is knowing the parameters. Liberty is knowing the parameters of life and knowing how far you can go and not. Because there still is holiness. There still is consequence. Amen? And so we have to think about those things as we make our decisions. But what I'm saying is, when you're looking at individual soul liberty and you're looking at a group of people saying, I'm going to make you believe what I want you to believe. No. Now, this group and this group will face God for their decisions. But God says, I'm not for this thing where you guys are going to force somebody else to believe what you want to believe. And, you know, and that's exactly what people try to make it sound like even when you go knock on a door. <laughs> oh, they're trying to force my religion down their throat. <laughs> what? Have you ever thought about that when it comes to the billboard and the filthy signs that are on down the road? Are they trying to force that down our throat? 
No, and it's only when somebody that loves you and that wants to give you the gospel that they're the ones that are forcing it. The ones that believe beyond a shadow of a doubt you have every liberty to believe what you want and they're trying to help you to be saved, but they're the ones that are violating individual soul liberty. We're living in a world where they're pushing Satan's agenda down our throat. <laughs> but we're not the belly aching, run around, thumb sucking, amen? <laughs> we're not doing that. What we're doing is we're continuing what God asks us to do because we understand what this world is and we know who's in charge of it. The Bible says in John 14, 7, or by the way, one man esteemeth one day above another. You know, we, we have Christmas things going on here and we got people that believe Christmas is heathen. If you're a part of that, you're sinning against God. Well, the Bible says right here, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike, let every man be fully persuaded in his mind. That means if you don't want to have Christmas, you just go ahead and don't have Christmas. If you want to have a Christmas morning with your family, you just go ahead and have a Christmas morning with your family. You be fully persuaded in your own mind. But these people that are trying to make you feel like you're some kind of heathen. Well, Christmas, Christmas, it's a mass. Well, I'll try not to take mass on Christmas morning. By the way, Sunday... We meet on Sunday, worshiping of the sun. That's where it came from. Well, let's stop using Sunday. Let's just keep calling the first day of the week, <laughs> you know. See, folks, the world is full of these terminologies. Well, Easter, a star day, or it could be Ostern, which means dawn. Nobody really knows, but let's just go against it anyways. Let every man be fully persuaded in their own mind. Amen. If every day is alike to you, great. If you want to celebrate Christmas one day out of the year, great. You do that for your family, you do that before your God, he's okay with that. Because you're honoring him. Amen. He says, one guy honors me by making a day special, another guy honors me by not making that day special. He says, either way, I'm being honored. Amen. Thing is, when we go this way, and we start messing with our liberty, Start messing with our individual soul liberty. No, you've got to believe like me. No, you don't. I don't need to believe like you. I need to believe like Jesus. Yes. Amen. And you join a local church, you've got every responsibility to believe like that church. Yes, well, I don't because I'm free. Well, then go find a church you agree with. Or there's none churches that believe like me. Well, isn't that curious? <laughs> well, then you ought to go find one and spend the rest of your life wandering around. And that's, that's interesting because I find some people, <laughs> they come in here, and they say, well, this is what I believe. And I says, I feel sorry for you. Because you will, never, <clears throat> you will never find a church that believes like you. Which means when you leave here, you're just going to another place you're going to be, have to be rejected from. And you're going to spend the rest of your life wandering. <laughs> so I feel sorry for you. Yeah. Folks, you want to believe that the earth is flat? I don't really care. In the rapture, we'll all look back and say, oh, <laughs> whatever it is I really don't care I just say keep it out of the house of God because, because these people that are doing it are pretty aggressive and very unkind in the way they're handling things they're making it like a doctrine that somehow the last thing I heard is that your preachers are lying to you that's how much they believe this flat earth thing they're so convinced 
well, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Go find the independent Baptist church at his flat earth and go enjoy yourself. <laughs> but that's not here. Your mid-trib rapture, it's not here. You're not going to find it here. Post-trib, it's not here. <laughs> this is pre-trib rapture church. Well, I'm going to hold to what I want. Go ahead. You have every right to believe what you want. You can believe you come from a monkey. You can believe whatever you want. But you can't do that here. Amen? Amen. It's just the way it is. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. John 16, 13. Howbeit when he... The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, we know the primary interpretation of this is talking about the disciples and revealing to them future events and so forth, that the spirit of God would give them that insight. But there's also an application here, because the spirit of truth is the spirit of truth. And if he's inside of you, he's always going to direct you into truth. So you individually have that spirit within you where he can show you what the truth is if you want to know it. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you having the spirit of God that you're somehow immune to error because that has a lot to do with what your desires are. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just one chapter up from what we were reading there, it says, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. Sometimes you want something so bad, you take this book and you make it give you the stamp on that. While the spirit of God is inside of you saying, bad move. (laughs) You need to renounce that. So you're talking about believers here, believers that need to renounce dishonesty because that dishonesty is causing them to be crafty with the word of God. Amen? Amen. You have the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of truth. You can be guided in truth, but you have to be completely yielded to the Lord where you say, Lord, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what has to change in my life. I'm willing to let you take the helm of my life. You are my captain. You are the one that dictates my life. I just simply want to become like you. You show me the truth and I'll form myself to that truth. But if you're holding on to stuff, That dishonesty, man. (laughs) That's all kinds of things. It can go back to when you're younger. Oh, I'm just stupid, or I'm I'm no good, or I'm a piece of garbage. And you you know, when you have that argument with your friends or your parents or your siblings, and you get all heated up, that's when the blah comes out. I always tell parents when your kids are emotional, and when they start saying things about themselves, that's where you take note, (laughs) because what's coming out of their mouth is what they believe. In their heart. And they'll never repeat it after that. (laughs) Because the emotional aspect of it caused it to rise up and come out of their mouth. But they know that it's not lining up with the way they're supposed to believe. So as soon as it comes out, they shut it down again. (laughs) You just write it off like, oh, that was just nothing. They were just having a little tantrum. No, they were revealing to you what they believe in their heart. So if they tell you, your children tell you at eight, nine years old, that I feel like I'm a piece of garbage... You need to get busy with your child. Or they say, I'm just stupid. If they're saying to that over and over again, 
They've got some inner issues, lie-based thinking. And I'll tell you something, they will not be able to look at this Bible clearly until they deal with it. And it's your responsibility to help them. You've got to have your ears open with people. <laughs> Amen? When they tell you stuff, and that's why, when the emotions are raw, that's when it comes out. And so that's where you as a wise counselor and a wise Christian are listening because you want to help this person become free and be set at liberty from the lies that are keeping them in bondage. It's not about getting at them or thinking you're better because you're not because you have those too. It's not a person in this room that doesn't have lie-based thinking. It wouldn't take long for us to sit down. I'd probably expose it for you. It's a little time, a little honesty. Amen. But that's up to you. You need to spend time like that. You need to spend time with God and allow yourself to be honest with yourself because you're the one that has the liberty to be free. You're the one that has the Spirit of God. You're the one that has every right to become what Jesus Christ is in your life. You, you have that ability right now to do that. Folks, stop being less than you could be because someone around you isn't what they are yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Amen? You can do it. God wants you to be like that. He wants you to be free. But it's up to you. They say, Pastor, I'm, I'm coming here because I want you to fix me. I says, I can't do that. Can't fix you. I'll help guide you. That's all I can do. The one with the answer is sitting right there in that chair. And the power you need is already right inside of you. It's all right there. Amen. Boy, we have liberty, folks. We don't even understand how free we could be. You know, uh, folks, do you have things that constantly bother you or get triggered in your life? Well, folks, you could be free of that if you want to. You can be free. You got anger problems? You're riding the edge of that emotional life, always bam, 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 you're always losing it? You could be free of that. That's not normal. <laughs> that is not a normal Christian life. That is not you, by the way. <laughs> Oh, well, this is just the way I am. No, it's not. God did not design to be that way. It's a character problem based upon the lies in your heart, and you're allowing it to have such prevalence as you're attributing it to actually who you are in your personality. God didn't make you like that. He made you to be at peace. So don't, don't blame God for making you with the anger problem. <laughs> he didn't. That's all stuff that you did. Amen. <laughs> you did it. So, the Bible says that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Boy, the potential we have if we'll just allow the Lord that freedom to teach us what we need to learn. Amen. 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye have need that any, that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So you have an anointing that teaches you. Yeah. Now I had someone come in the church one time, Pastor, I don't need, to, I don't need uh, you in my life because I've, I've got the anointing. Well, I'll tell you, well, all I know is this, this anointing that you have, you're not listening to him. The spirit of truth is trying to teach you something. You're saying, I don't want to hear what you got to say. Because throughout the scripture, he says that the Lord has given you pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Unless you're cutting that out of your Bible because now you're anointed. 
No, sir, that's a part of the anointing. Part of the anointing is God being able to give you the resources that you need and the Spirit of God inside of you so that when you sit down, and folks, and I know uh, preaching is a strange thing. I mean, you take away the audio, you just see me up here. And the, some of the faces, I asked my daughter, she's got all kinds of pictures. <laughs> you can't even get a good shot of a preacher because every time you take a picture, they've got some weird look on their face. It's the foolishness of preaching, it really is. <laughs> and it's different than your devotional life. It's different than you just reading in the Bible. You know that. But you ought to have a devotional life. You ought to read your Bible and spend time with the Lord. But I'll tell you something. You will never be at a place where you don't need the preaching of the Word of God. I had someone tell me this last Sunday morning. They said, I don't know how it is, but when we're at home and then we come to church and we've been talking about things and then you preach on the very things that we were talking about. And these are new people coming to church and there's blown out of the water how intricately the Lord is involved in their life and how that I can actually preach something and, and I can't explain it. I don't know if the Lord puts it on my brain as I'm preaching. I don't know if the Lord takes my message and puts it on their brain as they're <laughs> talking about it. I don't know how it works. But all I know is this. When you are seeking for answers, God uses the preaching of the Word of God to give you the answer. Amen. Throughout my life, I've found that to be true. You know, there's certain controversial things. Man, Lord, I want to understand this. And next week in church, there's a preacher preaching on it. <laughs> That's why it gets a little redundant sometimes. You go to the preacher and say, Preacher, I need help. I need help. Were you at church on the Sunday night? Well, no, I'm busy. Were you at church on Wednesday night? Well, no, you know. <laughs> so now I'm supposed to re-preach those messages for you? <laughs> Do you understand that this is public counseling here? And folks, we want to we have private counseling. We want to get these private times. and Folks, but public, the public counseling, it, it actually qualifies you for the private. If the preaching of the word of God isn't going to help you get to the heart of your problem, then you can come to me. And we'll deal with the, the issues, the hidden issues that, that perhaps you need a little deeper, you know, insight into. But if you're only coming to one service a week, uh, you think you're taking seriously the aspect of liberty in your life? I'm sorry, it's not true. Now, I may not say this on a Sunday morning, but I am saying that tonight. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because <laughs> you're here. But I don't ever want you to think that somehow you didn't have to be here if you want to be free. If you want to take seriously becoming, uh, be set at liberty in your life in all aspects of it, you will go to those things that God has called you to go to, to find the help that you need. Uh, unless you're one of these Christians, oh, I don't really need help. <laughs> wow, then the Lord may as well just call you up to heaven. Amen. You are here, you need help. And a lot of people spend a lot of energy trying to pretend like they don't need anything. When they just need to be honest, and you know what? I really need God's help in my life. I know it. Everybody around you knows it. You're the only one that doesn't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Run around like you know it all and everybody knows you don't. <laughs> That's kind of pathetic when you think about it. Amen. I want to tell you as well, when I'm up here preaching, the Lord speaks to my heart. 
I can't tell you how many times that is, oh, Lord, you really got me on that one. I'm the one preaching. I don't know. I don't understand it. (laughs) The Lord sometimes preaches to me, through me, to me. (laughs) That's the power of preaching, man. It's different than just reading your Bible. I say read your Bible. It's different than just devotionals, but have devotional. Have spend time with the Lord. But you need the preaching of the Word of God. Boy, that's a part of the anointing of the Lord in your life. He will grab that stuff and he will grab onto that seed and he'll put that into your heart and say, gnaw on this a while. And he'll cause that to germinate to bring forth fruit in your life. Amen. You need it. 1 Corinthians 2, 12, we'll be done. But it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the Lord wants us to know freely He wants us to understand him as much as we possibly can. And that's why he says that I've given you a spirit, the spirit of God. By which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. And it says, for they are foolishness unto him. I feel sorry for you walk away from this message today and you say, oh, that was a foolish message. You're lost. You're lost. You ought to be hanging on to every word you're hearing tonight because Lord Jesus could come back before you leave that door. How would you like to meet the Lord turning away the truth a minute before he comes? Then he says, I am the way, the truth. (laughs) Okay, Lord, that was a mistake. Yes, it was, son. Why would you want to be ashamed when you meet him? Many will be ashamed. Oh, I don't want to be one of those. I want to be able to look him right in the eye. You know, after all this time and things we have to go through and the suffering and being in this wicked world, when he calls us up, I want to be able to look him in the eye. (laughs) And I don't think he's looking for (laughs) that we never made a mistake in our life. But he's looking for somebody that was going the right direction and giving their heart to the things of God. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. But the natural man receiveth not. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of the Lord enables all of us to serve one another in love. And this is really the key. Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You've been set free. Set free to do what? Go on vacation to the Bahamas. Go live my life on the beach. Go travel the world. Go do all these kind of things that in our flesh we just love to be able to do. I love to just sit there on the beach, you know, 300 days out of the year and just relax. Flesh would love that. I hear people talk like that. Oh, I just want to go travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. But you got to ask yourself, is that why the Lord set you free? Is that why he saved you? Now, I understand the world. The world will do what they do, and they'll get their little, uh, you know, winter group, and they'll get their convoys and go down to Florida. Hey, that's one thing you can do. I mean, it's up to you. (laughs) Really, you make that choice for yourself. But I'm asking you this. Is that why the Lord set you free? 
Now, if that's what you're doing and you're going on that little convoy to Florida every, every uh, winter, I hope you're the one preaching those services on Sunday. Because they need the Lord there. It says, for all, it says, by love serve one another, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Liberty is the ability to serve God and man acceptably through the indwelling power of God's Spirit by the imputation of Christ's righteousness to bear fruit unto eternal life. Liberty. It's vital. Vital. Let's make sure we understand that. And I have some more we're going to teach next time, but let's just make sure we understand that that spirit of liberty, you know. I remember one guy I used to know, you know, he would just, he was always just law. I mean, he would believe that there are witches, they, they ought to be burned and, and killed. And I don't think he was joking. I really think he was serious. And I was saying, you know, I, I know what you're saying as far as the Old Testament is concerned, the worthiness. But then I look at him, he said, you're just as worthy of death as they are. Oh, but no, 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 but their sins are really bad. <laughs> wow. I wonder if that person really understands liberty. You know, liberty to serve one another, liberty to love people, you know, love God. Never could do that under the law. It was all about just conforming ourselves. But you know, many times Baptists are like that. We, we can conform ourselves. We'll dress like the preacher says. We'll, we'll do all these things. A five-star Christian, you've got to be a giving, a dit, a dit, a dit, soul winning, and all these things. This will make you a good Christian. It will not make you a good Christian. You know, the Lord will look at you, even though you've been to soul winning every week, and say, I'm ashamed of you. Because you didn't truly love me. You didn't love the people. And you weren't kind. You, you're hypocritical in your love towards people. Folks, we've got to be real. <laughs> you know, we're trying to check off these confirmation boxes. We dress right, we do this. Now, I'm for dressing right. I'm not saying we're not, we shouldn't. Uh, you know that. I've preached on that. But that's not going to make you a good Christian. <laughs> in fact, the way you dress and the way you behave and the standards you have are far, far more about your weaknesses and it really, it's a statement all, as well about how you should care about others. It's amazing how people that have dress standards, they want to dress modestly, but then they look down at the next person that doesn't. <laughs> Do you know why you have dress standards? Because you don't want to stumble them. Yeah. You love them. So you protect them yeah. by covering yourself. So now we just put it on and now we look down at them because they're not like us? It's not why you have it. Amen? And you ought to think about that with people. Whoever they are, throughout the week, wherever you are. The Bible says that's truly the greatest statement of your liberty is the fact that you live your life not to stumble others around you. You have the liberty to eat meat offered to idols. But if there's someone that is hurting because of that, because they came out of idol worship, the Bible says, don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. 
Stop eating the meat for their sake. Because now you have the liberty to love them and make the changes in your life to help them and to bring them along. Amen? This isn't you just pretending to be a Baptist. Let's be Christian in our heart. But man, we, we act like it on, 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 uh, on Sundays. We come putting on our suits and we act exactly like a Christian ought to act. But what are you like at work? What are you like on Monday? What's coming out of that filthy mouth? What are you laughing at? Do the people at your work even know you're saved? Do they know you're a Christian? Do they know that there's some things? Folks, that I love it when people on the job when I used to work, they knew they would invite me to things because they knew that I wasn't living like that. You don't have to take all these stands. You just act like what you say you are, and that is a Christian, and they'll know not to invite you to those things. Just stop doing those things. Stop stumbling people. Amen? I'll tell you, if we can get that law in itself, that principle alone would transform our Christianity. That principle. That would take every alcoholic drink out of your mouth. Knowing that there's people out there that have lost their families, homes broken up, children, people killed on the highway, and yet somehow I can moderately drink. If you love people, you wouldn't. And the old, some of us, we're not drinking because, hey, this is the way it ought to be. No, no. You're not drinking because you love people. You love God. Stop, you know, the conformity thing. It's not what this is about. I mean, if you have to conform for a while, even with little children, you have to make them conform. Oh, Dad, I don't want to. You're doing it anyways. I don't want to go to church. Well, you're going. And there's a law in our house, everybody goes to church. The moment one of our children say, I'm not going to church anymore, is the moment they leave the house. That is law, man. <laughs> you want to break in a house and steal something, you just go during church time because there's nobody there. Except for our dog. She's mean. <laughs> Pippy. <laughs> Amen. And so you've got to conform when you're not mature enough to live the Christian life. But, you know, that's when you, many times people pretend to be mature is when all they're doing is conforming. That's where you've got to get past that. You start being mature in your Christian life and realize your life is far more about reaching people around you by your spirit, by loving them, being kind to them. Amen. You want to win that hard head on the job, you be kind. Well, I'm going to take a stand against that music on the job. Well, I mean, you could do that. That's up to you. It's your choice. But maybe you ought to be wise. You're not going to be able to shut off every radio in the world. Maybe you ought to pray and say, God, give me wisdom because my, 